If you read the newspaper this past week, you will find a story about a man, an apparently good man, who shot and killed five members of his family. Sadly, that story is not even the lead story. We hear so many awful stories of death and destruction these days. As you go through the newspaper or scroll through the news feed or listen to the TV, there is story after story about someone's blood being shed, someone's tears. We continue to grapple with a pandemic that's taken over a million lives here in America. So much stuff, senseless violence, wars, random earthquakes, destructive hurricanes, illness, accidents, tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, day after day after day. If these acts were happening to someone in our family or someone we loved, we would be scrambling for some sort of meaning in all of it, asking Jesus, why? Why do these things happen? Why so much pain? Why all this death and tragedy? Even when it's not someone we know personally, we want to understand. One day, a group of people went to Jesus, newspaper in hand, so to speak, to ask him about a recent tragedy. Governor Pontius Pilate had just killed a group of people in the temple while they prayed. In that very act of asking for supplication to deliver them, they were massacred right there on the temple floor so that their blood formed a dark petal on the floor mixed in with the blood of the lambs and the doves that they had just offered to God. You're right, it's a gruesome story. And we have been hearing a lot of gruesome stories lately, and we wonder about the significance. And we ask, why? Was there something wrong with these people? What did they do? Did they have it coming? Now, those of us that believe in a powerful and just God, we don't understand, and we ask, did they do something wrong? And Jesus was asked this question, and he gave as clear an answer as he's ever given to a question. And I tell you, no. Do you think those Galileans who were slaughtered by Pilate were worse than any other Galileans? And Jesus says, I tell you, no. You can make no equation about anybody's disaster and their deserving. To hammer the, the point further, he gave them a story from the newspaper. They gave him a story about an evil person doing something bad, and he gives them what we would erroneously call an act of God story. The Tower of Siloam fell and killed 18 people. Jesus said, do you think these people are any worse than any others? And Jesus said, I tell you, no. We seem to think that if something bad happens, that you know God's hand was in it, and that it was somehow deserved. And Jesus point blank says, I tell you no. Now the disciples thought when they saw a man born blind, they said, and they came to him and said, Lord, who sinned? We know, we know. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't know. You're jumping to conclusions. You don't know. Those of us who think that we might be above that train of thought, think back. 
What is your response when we see someone suffer that we love? Or maybe we suffer when we are gripped by some awful emotional or physical pain. What's the first thing that rises from us? Lord, why is this happening? What have I done to deserve this? Jesus says, isn't fair. And Jesus knew that none of this is about fairness. He knew because he himself, even as he answered the question about the Galileans massacred by Pontius Pilate, he was on his way to Jerusalem as he spoke to become another innocent Galilean killed by Pontius Pilate while he prayed. Tyrants kill, towers fall, wars happen, cancer comes, pandemics occur. These disasters take no particular aim against anybody's wickedness, and these disasters take no particular detour around anybody's righteousness. They are simply a part of the random brokenness of all creation. When these things come, we go through that additional terror that maybe God is punishing us or he's trying to get our attention. So today, let the word of Jesus offer you some peace. I tell you, no. Let this keep us from pointing fingers at anybody else's pain and let it keep us from panicking in the midst of our own pain. Does tragedy come on those who deserve it? I tell you, no. However, Jesus goes on to offer us something that is just as astonishing. Having said that tragedy is not a punishment for a particular wickedness, he does not go on to offer us a better theory for evil in the world. He doesn't put his arm around us and say, there, there, and help us feel better. Instead, his face grows dark, and fire comes into his eyes, and he says, Unless you repent, you will all perish. Do you think these people died because of some wickedness in him? I tell you, no. But if you do not turn from what is wrong in your living, then I tell you, something terrible will happen, will happen to you. Well, so much for that pastoral approach. So much for that kinder, general, gentler savior that we were hoping for. What is Jesus doing? He's turning the truth that tragedy says nothing about our sinfulness on its flip side. If it's true that tragedy is not a sign of our sinfulness, then the opposite is true. That the absence of tragedy does not mean we are living well. Speaking to us, about how we're doing in our ordinary days. Now, ordinary days are stressful with difficulties and challenges and sadness and shadows, but when I talk about ordinary days, I mean that there is no life-crushing crisis right here. And thank goodness we are getting a breather from the coronavirus, and most of us now are living in those kind of days. The question is, why are they given to us? Are they a sign that we are good, solid people? Is our present absence of tragedy a sign of God's favor? Jesus says 
I tell you, no. We tend to look at those whom disasters come and say, oh, oh, how terrible for them, I'll pray for them. But Jesus is calling us now and says, we need to use this, look at this occasion, to look at our own life. We are those who need to change. In a world where crisis can come at any moment and death can strike at any time, the time we have for changing can be very short indeed. And he tells us a story to help us understand. Once upon a time, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he came to it and he found for three years he did not have any figs at all. A man grows figs for a living. This morning, I'll call him Mr. Newton. Let's take a brief pause and have a lesson in Palestinian Horticulture 101. Now, I have never grown fig trees, never lived in Palestine, but those who live there tell us that fig trees are enormously fruitful, that not once, not twice, but three times a year, they produce this enormous bounty of crop of figs. This tree had gone through nine whole season absolutely figless. Nine whole seasons of waving leaves and feeding nothing. And so Mr. Newton says, this tree has failed its purpose. There is no reason for it to take up space. So cut it down. Now, if this tree is representative of lives like ours, would you please notice something about it? This tree has not done anything wrong. It is not a hateful or nasty tree. It never hurt anybody. It's never broken a single one of the Ten Commandments. It's not a heretic tree. This tree's only failing is that it stands in a cherished place in the sun, drinking up all the nourishment, but it never ever really fulfills its purpose in life. It never feeds anyone never bears fruit. This is the tragedy and sin of our lives. What is our sin? It is not the little rules we break, the little misdeeds we do. It is that we absorb and absorb and we drink and we drink all the grace of God poured upon our life and we bear such little fruit and feed nothing and never really fulfill the purpose for which we were made. We are the people like that tree on a sunny slope of the garden. How many resources we have that nurture our lives, but when does it yield to seeds of righteousness and break into real loving witness for God? What about you today? Are you just waving branches at the world? We waste our lives on fruitless anger, in frustration, in busyness, in worry, in guilt, in fear. Call now to repentance. What does that mean? It means turning away from whatever is fruitless in our lives and turning toward God toward doing the purpose of God and letting him bear the flowers and fruit in us. It means doing what we can do under God's grace. 
Is anybody getting fed by your choices these days? Jesus states that the tree that does not bear fruit season after season after season does not deserve its place in the ground, and Mr. Newton reaches for his axe. But now wait. The story takes a very strange twist. There's a hired man that says, wait, stop. Don't cut down that tree. And then he says, Mr. Newton, sir, I realize that this tree is a miserable failure as a tree. But give me one more year so that I can water it and fertilize it and give it every opportunity. And if after one more year, the tree has still not borne fruit, then you can cut it down. Time out for another lesson in Palestinian horticulture. Now what's happening here is absolutely extraordinary. A fig tree is not supposed to take any attention at all. The root system of a fig tree is perfect. They thrive on neglect. Everything that they need to bear fruit is in them. But for this miserable disappointment of a tree, this gardener is willing to bend over backwards and do anything to give it a chance. Here's an astonishing patience. And it's not at all like the ending of another well-known story in Jesus' time. You know, every culture has its stories. We know the three little bears and the three little pigs. And in Jesus' day, everybody knew the story of the palm tree that wouldn't bear fruit. Have you heard it? No? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a palm tree that wouldn't bear fruit. And after a time, the owner came with his axe to cut it down. And the palm tree suddenly spoke and said, wait, stop, don't cut me down. Please, just move me to another location and I promise I'll bear fruit. And the owner replied, if you don't bear fruit where you are, you won't bear fruit anywhere. And he chopped the tree down. The end. Now that story was in everyone's mind in the audience. So the thought of another year for a fruitless tree seemed to amaze everyone. Of course, they had no idea of the patience and grace of Jesus when he spoke. But we do. The gardener was willing to lay down his very life to be hanged on the tree of our fruitlessness, water it with his own blood, and nurture it with his own life to give it a chance, not just to be forgiven, never just to be forgiven, but always to come alongside him and bear fruit with him and to feed a world with him. And what more could God do in Jesus? So that is why the hired hand said to the gardener, if after, after another year, the tree does not bear fruit, then cut it down. Now, do you see what Jesus meant about our lives these days? We have been asking what it means when tragedy comes. And Jesus turns the question to ask, have you ever thought of what it means when tragedy hasn't come? Have you ever asked the meaning of these ordinary days? Because you see, these are not really ordinary days at all. They are the days that we have left to do what God has called us to do.
They are the days of your crisis and mine. They are the days of your decisions and mine. And they want us to come and turn with passion and delight and thanksgiving and joy of doing something that matters, that fulfills the promises God has given. Doing something that feeds somebody. I have an old friend, he's 99 years old, and I love to hear him tell of his experience upon waking up every morning. And he says, first of all, when I wake up in the morning, I'm surprised. <laughs> and then he says, I began my day thanking God for the grace of another day, for loving and thanking and praising and serving the God you have given me another day. And I have the grace from God. I pastored a church for some years, and I had several wonderful older saints that would rise up and they would pray, God, we thank you for sparing us another day. Well, I confess, I used to hate that prayer. For sparing us another day, I always thought that that phrase imaged a God so reluctant to let us live, begrudging us one more day before stepping on us and kind of extinguishing us for good. The God that Jesus came to reveal is nothing like that. But Jesus did come to reveal that every day we have a new day is a kind of grace-filled sparing. We have for now been spared. You are still here, alive, after over two years of a totally unexpected worldwide pandemic that has killed millions. For now, our church, our nation, our world, we have another day. Let us thank him for sparing us, and let, let us turn away from all that is fruitless in our lives. With repentant hearts, let us turn to the opportunity that we have now before us, that we could fulfill the responsibility and the possibility for which we were made and put on this earth. And if we do not choose to do so today, when can you make that choice? Pray with me, my friends. Gracious God, for every merciful opportunity you give to take hold of your gifts freely and to give, live lives that matter, we give you our praise. We praise you for the gift of Jesus in his life that demonstrates your patience and grace Deliver us from every false preoccupation that keeps us from doing your will. We ask for the grace to say yes in him, to fulfill your purpose for our lives. In his name we pray. Amen. As we stand